I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's level one adult and pediatric trauma center. Please remember, we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. And good morning. Welcome to Healthy Matters here on WCCO this Sunday morning. If you're new to the show, thanks for uh, checking us out. Dr. David Hilton, as you heard, is your uh, host. Good morning, doctor. Good morning, Denny. Good to see you. It's a nice summer morning. I know you had to work late. I did work late. I worked until about 20 minutes ago. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, I did a night shift, which I usually don't do prior to the show. I want to be on my best. But I, so if I'm a little delayed in my answers, it's because I've been up all night. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to kind of snap my fingers. I'm lit- I literally grabbed a croissant, you know, egg sandwich at the hospital cafeteria, and you know, and for listeners, um, um, HCMC, the hospital at which I work, is just a few blocks. From- We're all in downtown Minneapolis, and so I grabbed my croissant sandwich, my decaf coffee, so I can go to sleep afterwards. Well, I know next week's show is going to be about sleep. It is. Oh, we should yeah. ask him about that. Yeah. yeah. Next week we're going to have um, uh, uh, my guest is going to be uh, or my guest host is going to be um, Renji Varghese. So Dr. Varghese is a sleep expert. And so you're going to really want to tune in next week. He's going to do sort of like an open line show sure. about sleep. And one of those problems is what do you do uh, You know, with people who work shifts and who work night shifts and how do you recover from that? It's hard to recover, isn't it? After it is, it's like jet lag. You know, mm-hmm. it's like having an eight-hour, ten-hour flight that I was up for all night. But people do it all the time. I know people right here. Yep. Radio, radios, oh, yes. a, a business where you do it. Healthcare is. You know, we don't. We never close. That's true. <laughs> and that, but again, that's going to be next week. So keep those sleep questions uh, for uh, for next week uh, on the show. Uh, this is an open line show today. That means uh, other general health questions for Dr. Hilden. Let me give you the phone number. By the way, that number is the same for the text line as well. 651-989-9226. And uh, again, again, same number for text. Uh, 651-989-9226. Had the chance to visit your uh, lovely place uh, last Sunday. You okay? Yeah, okay, yeah. As a matter of fact, we had to kind of shape up before our, <laughs> our Good Neighbor Tour. You went in for a tune-up before you go to <laughs> before you go on your Good Neighbor Tour. A little tour. oil change. And <laughs> <laughs> Are you feeling okay now? Yes, absolutely. Yeah, but thanks to the... Uh, you guys g- can get pretty busy at the hospital. Oh, you got that right, yeah. Um, our hospital is uh, um, a little different than many hospitals, I, I, I think, in that our busiest time of year is right here and now. Um, and it's a sad thing, but we kind of call it trauma season because mm-hmm. in Minnesota, 
most traumas they 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 rise in May, June, July because of outdoor activities. The weather. Yeah. yeah. And so there's um, more people are out on motorcycles, more people are on their boats for instance, and uh, more people are having orthopedic injuries just from uh being more active. Maybe in the winter hibernation has a little something to say for you. There's less trauma. So we're really really busy. I think our swing in our hospital census over from a few weeks ago to this week was over 100. So we had – I'll make up the numbers. But it was like 330 patients in the hospital a couple of weeks ago, and then we had 440 more recently. And it's, it's just – that's a big swing of, of, of that many patients. So it's been really busy. And so the emergency department is particularly busy for them. I do internal medicine, so I do things like pneumonia, cancer, heart disease – that kind of stuff that is pretty pretty stable over the year. Um, we don't have as much variation, but um, the the people who work in surgery and then trauma, it does become quite busy this time of year. You see a lot. And I know we we touch on the subject uh, from time to time here, and that's uh, shingles. Do you see many patients uh, in in the hospital or you've your colleagues in their clinic uh, practice? Yeah, um, shingles is really common. I didn't realize that, I guess, when I went to med school. You know, they teach you about shingles. And I thought, well, that's – I wonder if I'll see that. Oh, good grief. We see it all the time. Mm. That's, it's quite common, actually. People aren't usually hospitalized with shingles. They, um, they uh, stay at home. In fact, it's probably a good idea to stay at home because if you're around people who haven't had chickenpox or if you're around pregnant people, you should probably – shingles, can, they can get it from you. They can. Uh, yeah, interestingly, you can't give shingles to another person who's had – Who's had chickenpox? Okay. Because shingles comes from within. It's a, you didn't get it from anybody. You got it from yourself. So shingles is simply the dormant virus of chickenpox. And so if you had chickenpox even once as a child, that virus never really left your body. That sounds kind of nasty, but it set up shop in your spinal cord. You, me, everybody who has had chickenpox, that virus is sitting in your spinal cord where your body did a good job of beating it down so it was just dormant. But then one day, 10 years later, 50 years later, 70 years later, you're older, your immune system is and everything it was cracked up to be, that virus sort of wakes up. It's sort of like you know Sleeping Beauty or Rip Van Winkle, the guy who woke up after all those years, and then it causes shingles. So it came from within your body. And uh, so you can't give it to other people. But let's say you are around somebody who's never had chicken pox. Well, then you can give it to that person. Mm. And you can give it to um, – it's, it's dangerous for pregnant women. So most people aren't in the hospital. They usually stay home. But it's really common. I think it's something like one in three people get it in their That's life. That's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. One in three of you listening is probably going to get shingles at some point. Call in your question or send a text. There's a line open. You can fill it. And you know we always tend to get busy when we're doing an open line show. 651-989-9226. Again, that's the same number for uh, the text messages to the doctor. 651-989-9226. All right, let's go to the phones. I think Ken and Blaine is first up here. Go ahead, Ken. Thank you. Good morning. Um, I had a minor stroke about two weeks ago. And the uh, MRI... Uh, diagnosis was cerebral amyloid angiopathy. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? You had amyloid in there. It said, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, I'll say what I can, Ken, because um, this is a pretty highly specialized area of neuroradiology and neurology. Um, so 
Amyloid is a little, I want to say protein. I think it's a protein. It's a little small structure that gets inside the brain. It can cause some dementia issues, um, or, or I should say it's associated with some uh, cognitive decline um, problems, um, amyloidopathies, if you will. They're little irregularly shaped tangles of, of cells and proteins that, you, that, are, um, that can accumulate in the brain. I say associated and not cause because much about what happens in the brain, we don't know what actually causes it. But we do know that people who have, say, some dementia sometimes have this. So um, it is not a vascular problem so much unless they're, uh, that I'm aware of. So I think what I would do, Ken, is see a neurologist. Um, uh, my impression or my first thought is that it's, it's, um, it's more of a chronic thing. They're building up in your brain. It isn't like an acute stroke. In other words, an acute stroke happens in a matter of a second. You have a blocked blood supply to your brain. You have a stroke. You pro- you may have that two weeks ago, but the amyloid has been probably building up over some time. So it's probably a good idea to see a neurologist, have them explain that to you, and follow your cognitive functioning over time. In other words, how are you thinking? Because um, as best I can recall from the depths of my brain is that that can lead to some... Um, um, cognitive decline. Ken mentioned a, a small stroke. Uh, what's a TIA? Yeah, that's a really small stroke. That's a good question, Denny. I should actually talk about that for a second. TIA stands for transient ischemic attack. Um, attack is a silly word, but it's a, um, it's a stroke. Um, ischemic means not enough oxygen, and transient means it comes and goes. So it's a little mini stroke. It, you are, you're, the blood supply to your brain is temporarily blocked. A stroke that, or a, a stroke is when that blood supply to your brain is blocked for long enough to cause a permanent disability, such as um, a speech problem or a walking problem or weakness on one side of your body problem. That's a stroke. If, this, if the blockage is just real temporary, just a few seconds, it can lead to symptoms that last just a day or so, and then they go away. But people, people who have had TIAs are at risk for future strokes. It's, it's so, um, so you should see your doctor, make sure you're, the number one thing is to make sure your blood pressure is under control. Blood pressure is the biggest risk factor for stroke. So make sure your blood pressure is controlled, make sure your cholesterol is controlled, and um, that can try to reduce your risk for a future one. All right. 651-989-9226 is the same number for the text as well as the phone call. Tell you what, let's go back to the phones. I think Skip in Bloomington is first up here. Skip, good morning. Yeah, good morning, doctor. Uh, two questions. Um, regarding the shingle shot, I had one about I don't know, six, seven years ago, and they said it would be good for 10 years. Then I understand there's a new formula that, formula that came out, and they said if you get this shot, you'll never need another shot. And the second question is tendonitis in an ankle. Um, what can you do to correct the tendonitis if there's pain or restriction in the left ankle? Yeah, those are great questions. First, first, um, Skip, the shot that you got a, a years ago was, was called the Zostavax, and it was the first shingle shot, and it was really good for its time. It was really good, but it was only good for half or two-thirds of the time. So about the last two or three years, a new shot has been developed. It's called Shingrix, and it is not just pretty good. It is really good. 
it, the, it's one of the more effective vaccines we have with a few that has almost no side effects. It is a two-shot series, but if you get the Shingrits once and then you get the second one at least a month later, then you should be good for life. The previous shot did seem to wear off probably after like five years even. So 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 it's good to get the Shingrix, the new shot, which is a two-shot series at two different times, at least a month apart. It is good to get that even if you already had the previous vaccine, even if you've already had shingles, even if you don't know if you've had shingles. It's just good for everybody aged 50 and older. The biggest problem with the Shingrix shot is nothing to do with the shot itself. It's been availability. It, it's just there's been waiting lists. You can go to your clinic but call ahead to see if they have it. Um, you can go to some of the big retail drugstores. They, they typically get it first because they have better buying power, so they get the drugs for the vaccines first. Um, I did do a blog post about the shingles vaccines just about two weeks ago. Um, and there's all kinds of information there, and I encourage all listeners with shingles shots um, questions or anything about shingles to go there. Um, it's at myhealthymatters.org, myhealthymatters.org, and there's a lot more about shingles. There's even a texter here that has just this morning that says, if you've had shingles, can it recur? And the answer is yes. Now, your second question is tendonitis. Um, I would do range of motion exercises. I would do gentle walking. I would do gentle stretching. I wouldn't do vigorous exercises if you have an inflamed tendon in your ankle, like running, jumping jacks, jumping up and down, court things like basketball or tennis or racquetball. Those are all hard on your ankles. I wouldn't do any of those. But I would walk. I would do gentle stretching. I would see a physical therapist. If you're having pain, I might suggest you see an acupuncturist. They're a good idea. I don't recommend you take many things in the other many medications, except maybe ibuprofen or something like that. Um, if it's in your Achilles tendon in the back, there you only got one of those. It's be, be real careful about that one. Um, just nice stretching and um, don't do things that hurt it. So if you're whatever activity you're doing, if it hurts, quit that. No, right. Don't do that. All right, I tell you what, we have to take a quick break. Uh, listeners on the phone, stay there. We're going to be right back and answering your questions. And if you want to send your question to the doctor via text, same number, 651-989-9226. There's also one line open if you want to fill that. 651-989-9226. A few clouds, uh, 71 degrees, our current CCO temperature reading on the way to 87. And welcome back. To Healthy Matters, this, again, is an open line show. You're driving the show. Your questions via phone and text. We're not talking about any particular topic. 651-989-9226. That's the phone number. That's the text number as well. All right, Dr. Hilden, let's see who's been waiting here. Uh, uh, Let's uh, talk to Patty, who's calling from uh, Minneapolis. Patty, you're on with the doctor. Hi. um, I enjoy your show. Um, I have kind of an odd question. I had surgery a year and a half ago, and when they were putting in the IV um, for the anesthetic, they said, you know, oh, no, I blew the vein, and uh, immediately my my hand from my wrist to the end of my fingers turned purple, and um, it took a long time to go away, but now I have, like, what looks like a varicose vein across the upper part of my hand and down my three middle fingers. And I'm just, and it it hurts if I bump it against anything. And I'm just wondering if 
it's anything like a varicose vein mm, where sure. anybody could do anything about Hey, how that. long ago was it, Patty? The surgery was a year and a half oh, ago. Oh, as long as it Okay. So um, the blowing of the vein sounds so awful, doesn't it? But it's not really that big a deal. Your veins are little wussy little blood vessels. If there's no blood in them, they actually collapse on themselves. There's like a wet noodle. Um, and your arteries are different. They're muscular garden hose types of things. They don't collapse. Um, um, and so when they're putting IVs in you, that vein is a little collapsed hollow noodle. And sometimes um, it just kind of – it's it isn't very robust and it, it, it gets a hole in it and it bleeds. And so they use a different vein and then it just heals up on its own in the future. If yours sounds like it, it bled and, and what happened is that it maybe, maybe somehow it sclerosed or got what we would call like a, a blood clot in there that got a, a phlebitis, which is a, a inflammation of the vein. And, and you get a little blood clot in there. That could have happened. Because your vein is a, a slow-moving river from the extremities, in other words, your fingertips, back to your heart. That's the direction it's going. So the reason that it's all goofy looking in your hand is that that is the upstream part and the blood has got stuck in your hands because it couldn't get through this vein that was no longer working, right? I'm a little – that's all not dangerous, unsightly, but it should all go away. The thing that is weird and that is odd – you said you had an odd question. It's – not really odd, but um, what is a little strange for me is that it's a year and a half later and you're still having that. A week and a half after your surgery, sure, but a year and a half sounds a little bit weird. And so you might want to go to see your doctor. You know, Even a surgeon would be fine, the same one who did the thing and say, hey, I got this vein on my hand that's all uh, – you know, that's prominent. See if there's maybe a long-term little blood clot in that vein they could do something about – or if there's something that needs to be done at all. Maybe it has nothing to do with your surgical problem, but I think I might have it looked at. I don't think it's dangerous. I don't think it's urgent or emergent. But um, it's a little weird if, if it's related to the surgery that it would still be present this long. Might okay. want to have that looked at. All right. Thanks, Patty. Let's uh, go to Jim, who's calling from iSanity, with a question before we take a break. Go ahead, Jim. Thank you. Good morning, S.A. I'm, I'm curious about this uh an uh, incident where it was a head-on collision. Unfortunately, the opposite driver burned up in the vehicle. The, the person that hit him had has got type one diabetes with hypoglycemia and uh, unawareness. Now, does something like that would that cause that much confusion? Or somebody to be confused enough to go on the wrong way on a freeway? It actually it would, Jim. It's an interesting question that you raise. Um, diabetes and P, um, one of the biggest risk factors, diabetes is too high of blood sugars, hyperglycemia, hyper. Um, but especially in type 1 diabetics, um, if, they're pro- if, they, if they, um, they can drop too low, their blood sugar goes too low. And the consequence of too low blood sugar is loss of consciousness. So it's actually one thing we're we're quite concerned about with all people who are taking insulin with type 1 diabetes when they're driving. And so if people have never had low blood sugars, that's perfectly okay. Type 1 diabetics can drive. Don't get me wrong. But there are things to be considered. I used to do Department of Transportation physicals for truckers. I haven't you done did. those in 15 years. Mm. DOT physicals. One of the disqualifications, at least 20 years ago, was that you were on insulin as a type 1 diabetic um, because of this very problem. You could lose consciousness while driving. Um, 
It's not very common, but it can happen. So I think I don't know the particular case. I know I, I vaguely know the case you're talking about, but I don't know the, the medical specifics of it. But yes, the answer is a definite yes. Low blood sugars lead to unconsciousness. If it happens when you're driving, you would crash. You start out confused. It does bring up a point about diabetics. If you have a diabetic in your life, a friend, a family member, a coworker who's on insulin, often that coworker or that friend or family member will tell others, if I ever start acting confused, give me a can of Coke or give me a candy bar or a packet of sugar because their blood sugars are running low because it starts a little bit of confusion, then a lot of confusion, then you pass out. And so if you're driving all by yourself, people missed the confusion stage. And so be aware of that. It's called a, a hypoglycemic reaction. All right. I know we have to uh, head to a break uh, pretty quick. I urge the folks on the line, stay there. And uh, we'll and texters, uh, too. We're going to get uh, more text questions answered as well. Again, if you're just joining us, this is an open line show. Here are the numbers, 651-989-9226. That applies to uh, both the uh, phone call and the text line as yeah. well. Do I have time to talk about a you couple do. things? Two things I want to tell people about. If you are a woman who has had a child and you are wondering about your body, um, now I'm, I'm serious about this. If you're wondering about what does, what does your body look like after having had a baby? Well, that's an issue that Denny and I maybe don't have to deal with, no. but, but a lot of women do. We have a free special event in our ongoing Here for Health series about that very issue. Um, for postpartum moms, I don't care if it's if you're a month postpartum or 20 years postpartum, we are sponsoring another Here for Health event that looks at the physical and emotional changes after childbirth. It's at our downtown specialty center on August 21st. That's a Wednesday from 5:30 to 7. And there's going to be experts from our women's health and wellness team. And there's going to be a special guest. Her name is Angie Sonrode. She is the co-founder and president of Mid Drift Movement who explores physical and emotional changes after giving birth. So they'll talk about what happens and why, tips for, tips for a mind and body exercise. It's going to be a great event, Wednesday, August 21st. I will tell you about the other event or the other bit of news um, about our kidney transplant program in the next half. All right, very good. A lot of great events at Hannibal. Yeah, there's loads, really? of, loads going on. Big time. All right. Hang on, doctor. We're going to take a break. We have about another half hour of the show to go. So, if again, if you uh, have a question, folks on the line, stay there, please. And uh, those that want to send a text, that's the same number, 651-989-9226. In the Twin Cities, we're looking for a high near 87 today. Right now, a few clouds, calm wind. And our current CCO temperature reading, 71. Welcome to Healthy Matters, presented by Hennepin Healthcare, a network of neighborhood clinics, specialty centers, hospital, and Minnesota's Level 1 Adult and Pediatric Trauma Center. Please remember we can only give general medical advice during the program, and every case is unique. We urge you to consult with your personal physician if you have health concerns. Now, here's Denny Law with your host, Dr. David Hilden, internal medicine physician with Hennepin Healthcare, with more Healthy Matters. 
And good morning. Welcome to this portion of Healthy Matters. It is an open line show today. That means that your phone calls and text messages will be driving the rest of the way. I see one line open, 651-989-9226, and then it happens to be the same number for your text questions. Uh, Dr. Hilton, you can see we have a ton of both, as usual, when we do an, uh, an open line show. Should we get to it? Let's get to it. All right, let's see who's uh, first. Joyce is calling from Bloomington. Joyce, you're on with the doctor. Yes, thank you. My uh, sister has shingles for almost a year now. Her rash is gone, but the nerve endings inside her side are so tender, like early in the morning and things. Do you have a magic potion or something that we can do? Oh, Joyce, I wish I did. She has post-herpetic neuralgia. Somewhere between like, I don't know, 10, 20% of the people get that. It is the pain that is due to the damaged nerves, and her nerves are playing tricks on her. And so some people have that pain forever. It's the main reason we do the shingle shot, honestly. It's not the two weeks of the little blisters you get. It's the lifetime of post-herpetic neuralgia, which is like a burning pain for, for some people for months and some people, unfortunately, forever. Um, I wish I had a better solution for you, but some of the medications do work. One of them is called amitriptyline or nortriptyline. Those are pretty good. There's one that goes under the brand name Lyrica that is pretty good. Um, uh, you can get topical things like lidocaine, which is just an, an uh, anesthetic, and, and that comes in a patch or a gel to put on there. And um, and then some people just take Tylenol or ibuprofen. Um, all of those uh, need prescriptions except the Tylenol and ibuprofen. All of them do. So I would go see her doctor. Probably her, just her primary care doctor can do that. She doesn't need a specialist for that. Uh, I can't promise that's going to go away, um, particularly after a year. Back on the shingles question, somebody else on the text line says, if, if, if I get exposed to someone with shingles and I didn't have chickenpox, will I get shingles or chickenpox? That's kind of an interesting question. You'll get chickenpox. Because um, if you haven't had the shingles yet and you get exposed to the virus, it'll go throughout your whole body and you'll get it all over your body like chickenpox. But keep in mind, you have to be really exposed to it. You have to be like touching the sores of somebody who had it. So it's really not very easy to get it from somebody else. And if you've already had chickenpox, you can be right there with someone with shingles. You're not going to get it. Okay. Uh, let's see who is next. It would be, and then we'll get some text. Kathy is uh, on the line from Minnetonka. Go ahead, Kathy. Uh, yes, I have a question about the statin. Yeah. Uh, I In my last uh, newsletter from the mail, it suggested not taking statin and getting an alternative, but it didn't name an alternative. And I wondered if you had any feedback on it. Yeah, uh, thanks for your call, um, Kathy. Statins are um, medications that are always in the news, and we're always changing what we recommend on them, so it just bewilders the public. It's a little bit of a problem of the medical industry or the medical research community because the data, they change. And we used to have everybody on one, and then then we had nobody on them, and then the pendulum keeps swinging. Here's the story on statins. If you have had a heart attack or you have known coronary disease, there is almost zero controversy you should be on a statin. They are well, well, well established um, that they help to prevent the second heart attack. I mean, so if you have known heart disease, please consider taking your statin. The downsides, which are not zero, but they, they pale in comparison 
to the next heart attack that you're about to have. So if you have had a heart attack, there's almost no controversy. The controversy is for those who have not had a heart attack before and your cholesterol is a little high, or maybe it's really high. That is much more nuanced. And what we need to do is have conversations with our patients about the risks and the benefits of taking a statin. So if you are an otherwise relatively healthy person, even an older adult, and you've never had a heart attack, you don't have blocked arteries, it's maybe a maybe you don't need it. I'll be really honest. Maybe you don't. So that's maybe what that newsletter that you got was suggesting. Maybe you don't need it. Now, there are groups of people who should take a statin even if you have not had a heart attack. They are generally people with diabetes, people with very high LDLs, greater than 190, people with a lot of heart risk factors like high blood pressure or you're a smoker or you're really overweight or you have an early family history, they should take it as well. So those are people that should take statins. I guess my best advice is try to make an appointment with your doctor where you talk about nothing else. This isn't the appointment where you come in with a list of four things to talk about. Make an appointment specifically to talk about your cholesterol and should I be on a statin. There are many people who have not had a heart attack who maybe don't need one. Now, as for an alternative, it's just the healthy living. Don't smoke. If you smoke, for heaven's sakes, try to quit. Um, eat eat uh, like you live in Marseille, France. Eat like the Mediterranean diet or like you live in Italy. Eat like you live in Sicily. They, they eat a lot of olive oil. They eat um, uh, fresh fruits and meats. And it's not so much about fat. That's not really the problem. It's the refined sugars and simple carbohydrates in our diet that are bad. So eat like you live in the Mediterranean. Eat more fruits. Eat more vegetables. Eat more lean meats. Um, and stay away from refined processed sugars. That's the alternative I would suggest. All right. A texter earlier sent one and wanted you to talk about the sinus problems and the upper teeth. I've heard people complain when they have maybe a sinus infection that their teeth hurt. Yeah, that, that can happen. What's the deal with Because yeah, your sinuses are holes in your skull, and the ones that are right above your upper teeth are called the maxillary sinuses. And if they get filled with fluid, they can get infected. You could There is a, a pretty close connection between your upper teeth and those sinuses, so the infections can move around. So if you have a tooth infection and it's getting deep, um, it can get up into your sinuses and lead to sinus infections. Um, so sometimes people who have chronic sinusitis, if you have tooth pain, we suggest you see your dentist or see um, a, an ear, nose, throat doctor to take a look at your sinuses. So that's a, that's a real deal. Uh, most people with sinusitis do not need antibiotics. But if you have dental problems, I do recommend you see a dentist. All right. Back to the phones we go, doctor. Uh, Bill is calling from Bloomington, I believe. Go ahead, Bill. Thank you. Uh, good morning, uh, guys. Uh, thanks for your uh, information. I have been diagnosed with mild peripheral neuropathy. Uh, I have numbness on the bottoms of my feet and my toes. Uh, it's bothersome. Uh, I can still walk. I have balance and all that kind of stuff. Um, any suggestions for um, uh, not stopping, yeah, holding it at its own at bay, yeah. spot and not getting any worse? Yeah, Bill, do you have diabetes? I do not. Okay, that's, all, that's usually our first question is that, yep. uh, yeah, because... Peripheral neuropathy for listeners is peripheral just means it's not your central nervous system. This isn't your brain or your spinal cord. Peripheral means your the periphery of your body, your arms and your legs. The longest nerve in your body is the one that goes to your foot. It starts in your lower spine. It goes all the way to your foot. 
And those big, long nerves, they get over the years, they can they don't function quite as well. The, far, the firing of our nerves, if, you, if any of you are kind of like science um, uh, nerdy types like me, the firing of our, of our nerves is incredible. It starts way out there in your big toe. You stub your toe, and it fires a little action potential, a little impulse up that nerve, and that nerve is surrounded by an insulating sheath. Without that sheath, it doesn't doesn't fire very well. And it's really complicated how your nerves work. And it just shoots that thing at the speed of light right up your, or not quite at the speed of light, but up, up your leg into your spine, into your brain, and that's why you have pain. If those nerves are irritated or that insulating sheath is damaged, they just don't fire right. And they start playing tricks on your brain. And so you get a constant daily pain. And now some people call it burning. Some people call it pins and needles. Some people call it um, a numbness. And it can be due to a mechanical problem like a pinch nerve in your lower back. It can be from poor shoes. It can be from being on your feet all day long. Or it can be from metabolic causes like diabetes or vitamin B12 deficiency or anemia or HIV even. So there's a lot of, lot of things. So if you have peripheral neuropathy, here's what you should do. Go get your blood test at your primary care doctor. Um, make sure you don't have diabetes. Make sure your vitamins are up to snuff. Make sure your shoes are good. Um, you can try some medications. You can try acupuncture. You can try physical therapy. Those are all things to try. There are prescription medications, but I wouldn't start with them. I would try those other things first. Okay. We need to take a quick break. We have uh, more calls to answer, more uh, texts to answer as well. In the Twin Cities, a few clouds. Our temperature reading here on CCO 74 degrees on our way to near 87. And good morning. Welcome back to our Healthy Matters show, an open line show today. And we have uh, t- callers. We have texts. Do you want to grab some text Let's messages? Let's do a couple texts. Right, That's sure. a great idea. So the first one says, my husband is 84 and is in desperate need of knee replacement. He's in good health and it still and still works. He had radiation for prostate cancer two years ago and has had two heart stents. Does that rule him out for knee replacement? No, it does not. Age isn't a disqualification. Prostate cancer two years ago is not a disqualification as long as his life expectancy from that is is reasonable. And uh, no, the heart stents aren't a disqualification. So you're, yes, your husband can get his knee replaced. Question, can he get shingles more than once? Yes. Um, that's a quick one, huh? Here's, uh, here's one that says, had an episode where sight in my left eye became blurred and had a headache for about 24 hours, but has since cleared up. Was it a mini stroke? That really could be a mini stroke to this texter. If you lost vision in your eye for a little while and then it came back, you could have an ophthalmic artery occlusion or you could have something else in there. But if you ever lose sight in your eye for any period of time, I would hie thee to an ophthalmologist. That's very Shakespearean of me, but um, get yourself to an eye doctor. Um, I would never mess with that. It could be a stroke, could be something else. Here's one that says, I am to get a hepatitis B vaccine series, three shots. Had the first one July 12th. I'm confused as to when I get the second and the third. Hepatitis B is a three-shot series, and the, the schedule is this. The second one comes one month or more after the first, and the third one comes six months after the first. So at, at time zero, at time one month, and at time six months. Those are general guidelines, but you don't want to get them too soon together. Um, you have to space them out, at least a few months between. Zero, one, and six months. That's when you get them. All right. Let's go uh, back to the phones. Mary in St. Anthony Village has been waiting there. Mary, you're on CCO. Uh, good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I was working in the garden the other day and to a 
trying to pull a weed, and to avoid a bee, I pulled too hard, and my arm started to twist and hurt. So from my wrist to my elbow, it turned black and blue, and from my elbow to my shoulder, it's black and blue. Now my muscle there, it's like I have two muscles. It's a big lump there. And I just wondered if I should see a doctor about that. Yep, Mary, I think you should. First of all, you sound like my wife in the yard. We got we got uh, huge gardens, and she's always out there pulling stuff, and we have a lot of bees, too. You probably ruptured a tendon, um, a, a muscle or a muscle. It literally tore. Um, all that black and blue, that's bleeding, and that little knot you're feeling is probably the muscle. You can imagine a muscle is attached by tendons to our bones, if, and that's what makes the bones move. If that got ruptured, torn, then that muscle kind of contracts and forms a knot. It's sort of like a muscle spasm because it's no longer connected to the bone anymore. Um, that is, It sounds like that's what you have. You have either a partial or a complete tear of the muscle or some of the tendons. And yes, I would see a doctor for that. It's not an emergency, but it... it it sounds bad enough that you might want to see an orthopedic surgeon. If you were at my hospital at Hennepin, there is nobody better than Dr. Jackie Geisler. She is an orthopedic hand surgeon. She deals from the elbow down. That's her specialty. So you want a specialist when you're dealing with the hands. Jackie Geisler, G-E-I-S-S-L-E-R at Hennepin is. She's been on the show a few times. She's yeah. superb. Yeah. She's a hand surgeon. All right. Thanks, Mary. Let's talk to Brent calling from Roseville. Brent, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. About four years ago, I ruptured my Achilles tendon, and it wasn't total uh, severed, but it was torn up pretty good. And I was in a boot for three or four months. I did not have surgery, had a, uh, therapy after that, and I've got good range in motion, but I guess I'm kind of afraid now to, I'm, uh, I'm, uh, to you know, how much can I do with that? I don't have any pain. I can walk fine. I don't run well. I'm just wondering how careful do I have to be uh, once that's happened. I think um, that's a good question, Brent. I, I, I don't think you have to be particularly careful other than maybe some common sense things about what I wouldn't do. I wouldn't take up pole vaulting or something that requires like enormous spring in your, in your um, feet. But I think I would gradually – I don't even know that you couldn't be run again, uh, but I'm going to – with a little caveat, I would walk, I would stretch, I would do yoga, I would do, I would be physically active, I would try swimming. Once it's healed up, you need to keep those structures moving. Um, I had a friend, or my my wife's colleague at the YMCA where they teach fitness says, um, motion is the lotion. You know, um, when you have joints and things that are, they get stiff and they get tight and they get contracted. Our bodies were meant to move. So by moving, you kind of lubricate things. So I would do, I would do things. What I, the things I would be careful of is don't take a medication that ends in floxacin, levofloxacin, ciprofloxacin. These are antibiotics and they have a, a, a rather devastating side effect that is not common, but it is possible. And that is Achilles tendon rupture. So stay away from, be careful of antibiotics. Every time you get an antibiotic, tell them, hey, I had an Achilles tendon problem. But other than that, I would see a physical therapist. I'd see a personal trainer. I would swim. I would walk. I would do all that stuff. I think you can be, gradually get back to an almost normal level of activity. A listener, a texter wants to, you to talk a little bit about spinal stenosis. What is that? Yeah, your spinal stenosis is usually is a narrowing of the spinal canal in your, in your vertebrae of your back. It's usually in the lower back. It can be up in the neck as well, though. 
Stenosis means narrowing in medical jargon, and spinal is clearly your spine. It's usually due to arthritis. In other words, wear and tear of your spine. Those, those bones of your spine can wear down, and the, your normal anatomical structures kind of get, get out of whack, and it narrows the spinal canal. What it leads to is pain, usually distal or far farther away from your brain than the lesion. So often people get leg pain. They get low back pain. It's often better when you lean forward which is because you're opening up your spinal cord when you lean forward. So um, it, it, physical therapy is a good idea. Um, uh, being active is a good idea. There are surgeries, but it's not the first line. Um, I, I don't recommend surgeries right off the bat for spinal stenosis, but it's a possibility. I know we're almost uh, out of time, and I know that you were going to mention something. I can't remember yeah, what it thanks, was. Yeah, thanks, Denny. I said I was going to talk about one other thing, and it's just a little um, a little heads up of a nice thing that happened. Our, our Hennepin Kidney Transplant Program has been transplanting kidneys since for like decades, one of the oldest in the upper Midwest. I mean, we're great at kidney transplants, but people – there's a shortage of kidneys. Well, we just transplanted the first kidney in a, in a, uh, that was infected with hepatitis C, and that sounds really weird – but there are such good treatments for hepatitis C that now um, transplanted kidneys with hep C can be treated. And this is a major, major, major advance in healthcare. So it was in the Star Tribune this past week in the upper Midwest. Look up last Wednesday's issue of the Star Tribune. I think that was July 30th. It's about C.J. Dabney, a former dialysis patient, was the first person in Minnesota to receive such a kidney transplant. He's doing great. He was happy to talk about his story and and he even named his kidney the phoenix. And those of you who know mythology, the phoenix is the bird that rose from the ashes. CJ named his kidney phoenix. It's a real breakthrough in kidney transplant. It was done right here at Hennepin Healthcare. So go to you want to know more about that? Go to the, go to the hospital's um, kind of news feed, which is Here for Life blog, and that's what you type hereforlife.blog. And what was the one earlier you talked about about moms? Oh, yeah, we're doing a thing about postpartum body image, which is for um, nobody who's in this room, not for you, Danny, not for you, Devin, not for me, but women who have had babies, um, your body changes, duh, but it's hard for a lot of women. We're doing an event about that. It's a free event, Wednesday, August 21st, from 5.30 to 7 p.m. It's a free event. There will be experts from our women's wellness team and experts about body image and after having had a baby. Um, I think it sounds fascinating. I think it's an, a topic we should be talking about more. To register, it's hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health. And you can register for this free event, which is Wednesday, August 21st. Hennepinhealthcare.org slash here for health about women's body image after babies. One week from today, your colleague, the sleep doc. Renji Varghese, sleep expert, is going to talk about any question you might have about any topic around sleep. You go get some sleep. Thank you. All right. Thanks very much, Dr. Hilden. Yeah, Healthy Matters next Sunday morning with Steve Thompson sitting in. I hope you join us then. Right now in the Twin Cities, uh, temperature reading, few clouds, 74. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.